Hi, I'm Evan Wilson. I'm a professor at the U.S. Naval War College. Um, I'm here to talk with uh, James Goldrick about the return of great power, power competition for the U.S. Navy. Um, I have to say at the outset that uh, the views I express today are my own and not those of the U.S. government, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval War College. Uh, James, who are you? Uh, I'm James Goldrick. I'm a retired uh, senior naval officer of the Australian Navy, uh, currently a visiting fellow at the CEPAR Centre Australia and at the Strategic and Defence Studies Centre at the ANU and indeed at the University of New South Wales. I'll add also that my views are very much my personal ones as well. Uh, you are also, though, the world's most overqualified copy editor uh, because you graciously agreed to read uh, the book that I've just published with Paul Kennedy uh, called Navies and Multipolar Worlds from the Age of Sail to the Present, uh, which has just come out with Routledge. Uh, so first of all, thank you for that, James. We are uh, forever in your debt. It's been an interest. It was an interesting read, and I think it was a timely book uh, for us to think about the way the world is changing, and indeed the new challenges that the United States Navy and its partners face. Thanks. The uh, inspiration for the book was uh, the American Chief of Naval Operations John Richardson uh, saying in 2016 that the United States Navy faced a return to great power competition. And so uh, I think I'll start there. I went back and looked at that today uh, to remind myself what he said. And I was struck by the fact that immediately after he writes that uh, the return of great power, power competition is gonna shape uh, the US Navy for the next uh, coming decades, um, he then said that it was all about the Russians and the Chinese. Uh, but um, I think it's in, it's worth pointing out that those two things are, are not the same. Those challenges are not the same. And so I suspect, uh, given that I'm talking to an Australian, that I'll spend we'll spend most of our time talking about the Chinese. But uh, I wondered if you had any thoughts, James, on the um, ways in which the threats are different, or or, or the nature of uh, the way the U.S. perceives the Chinese threat in the Pacific. I think I think it is different, um, and I think particularly it's different in the Pacific. That while, of course, the Russians are serious players in the Pacific, um, it is very much about China, and it's about China in two ways. Uh, one is China's desire to really create, and I think the American term "Great Wall of Sand" about what's going on in the South China Sea is um, is a, a concern, but also is the uh, extraordinary development of the Chinese Navy and its power projection capabilities and its increasing willingness to push its forces out um, to demonstrate Chinese um, interests, uh, not only in the Western Pacific, but of course in the Indian Ocean. And indeed, the term that's become popular recently, the Indo-Pacific, I think, is arguably a response to the idea of China's maritime expansion as much as anything else. It's interesting, the chapter that we have in the book on China is written by Hu Bo, who generally takes a, um, a sort of dovish perspective on Chinese uh, naval uh, expansion. He sees it as primarily defensive. He sees China as primarily a continental power uh, and that is certainly going to seek to defend its near seas, but doesn't have ambitions uh, beyond that. Is, is that a view that you share or is that something that maybe from the Australian perspective uh, makes sense to you or, or do you see them as potentially being more aggressive? I think they potentially are more aggressive. I, th I think it's fair to say that there is a very defensive outlook uh, in many ways, but it's the manifestation of that defensive outlook uh, can um, affect 
the regional situation in some pretty unfavorable ways. And we've seen that in the creation of the artificial islands of the South China Sea and the coercive behavior in that region. Um, so I think it's as much the way China manifests its defensive uh, techniques um, and attitudes as the fact that it is defensive that's it, it's, it's important. What I would say is I think in relation to power projection, there is a fair argument that China's uh, has legitimate interest, particularly uh, in the Indian Ocean with energy and other um, flows. Um, and a lot of what it's doing it may be competitive with America, but is emulation rather than about potential conflict with America. In other words, the battle groups, and the amphibious groups, arguably are emulating the way America has operated because China has seen how effective that's been to demonstrate great power interests. So we only have a minute left here. So I would just say, uh, what advice would you give to the U.S. Navy uh, as they seek to sort of reshift their focus to, uh, to the Pacific and to, and to China? I would say that they need to continue doing what they've started doing. Uh, a lot of the attitudes, procedures, um, strategies that were used in the old Cold War need to be rediscovered and the modernization of the fleet needs to happen. But I also think that it's important uh, that it's, you don't forget that the, the competition works across the spectrum and that I think it's vital that all the maritime security and lower level presence activities don't stop. And I think here, in addition to modernizing the US Navy, there's a really important argument for the US Navy to rework its partnership with the US Coast Guard and arguably ensure further resources go to the Coast Guard so they can share the burden 